0: Here we are. Monday is upon us once again. How are we feeling about that? It's mixed, isn't it? It's just not the easiest day of the week. Hopefully, though, this fresh little nugget of passion potty goodness is going to help some way towards making your Monday slightly more bearable. If you listen to these a lot, you'll know that I get slightly overexcited every week. Uh, This week, there is the most incredible story behind our passion pod. I'm actually not going to say too much about it because Katie gives a really great insight into Art Against Knives, which is who we're chatting to this week, a charity set up to help empower young people by giving them the reins of the projects that they support them through. As I say, Katie does a much better job at explaining what it is that they do. So I'm not going to hang around with much more blathering. um, And I'm going to hand straight over to Katie to chat to you about the amazing work that they are getting stuck into.
1: You're listening to Passion Pod 79 with Katie from Art Against Knives. Okay, Katie, let's
0: do this. So, uh, I meet you. I've just landed from another planet. Tell me, in a little sort of summary, Art Against Knives, what is it?
1: So, we are a registered charity that works to support young people who are what we call at risk of violent crime, uh, living in some of London's most isolated communities, um, so we can support them in reducing the risks that they face and becoming resilient, independent young people, so they can go on and lead their own lives... Not relying on support services, uh, not um, carrying those risks further, not letting them escalate, but actually so that, that they're choosing their futures, they're not being determined by others.
0: Very empowering,
1: to empower them rather than feel like relying on other people, perhaps. Absolutely, I think that's the whole model. So the way in which we do that is through creative projects, but all of these projects are determined and designed by the young people that we work with. So we never walk in and say, this is what you should be doing. We walk in and say, what do you guys want to do? Um, not only what do you want to do, what do you want to say? What do you want to change? And um, what do you want to make happen? And the kind of overarching response has always been, we want to do this to better this. So an example would be, three years ago, I went on to Dulles Valley Estate in High Barnet. I think a lot of people think of Barnet as a kind of green, leafy, lovely suburban borough. It also has pockets of deprivation that are recognised nationally in the 10% wow. most deprived, just in terms of concentration it doesn't have opportunity, like in the city boroughs. Um, these young people actually live on the northern line, but some of them have never even been to Oxford Street. Wow. And, and when I was asked to work with this particular group of girls, I remember saying to them, um, OK, so why do you want to do this? Like, why do you want to do this project? And one of the girls actually, there was a pause, and she said to me, do you know what? I want to do this because I want to put Dollis Valley Estate on the map for something positive, not just something negative. God, the
0: energy's all there. Like, yeah. all of, all of that stuff's there. It's just tapping into that. Is right. just sort of sitting there, waiting to be, like, exposed.
1: Right, and that's exactly it. And I think, like, for myself, my staff, every day, that that's what it is. Every young person has that. Um, it's just about ensuring that they have the opportunity to, to take it somewhere, to express it. And oh, don't get me wrong, you know, there's some people that are like, I want to be the next Kanye West... There's a place for everyone. Right? And there's other young people who are like, I don't know what I want to do in my life, yet actually like everybody has the right to have the space to be able to think.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It just interests me so much in how, how that is turned. I don't know if it's the right word, but how you facilitate that, because having all the ideas and stuff is all well and good, but how you then turn that into the
1: projects and stuff that you create must be really challenging. Absolutely, I think that, so we have this like motto here at so every day is a different day. You never quite know what's coming at you, but I think that's part of the challenge. And I think that's the role of everybody involved, you know, including young people um, um, and my staff and volunteers, to be able to adapt and take that somewhere, without kind of like telling people what to do, but just giving them space to guide them and let them do it themselves. Otherwise, we're not doing anything. So uh, in fact back you know back to Valley and, and that particular project we started having conversations with some of the girls there it was actually brought onto Dallas Valley estate by an ex gang member who was working there as a youth worker and he'd recognized the need for that like, positive female role models so okay. he'd kind of had relationships with the girls through through being in the community but not he he just recognized the need for them to have kind of like a female to talk to but also that actually they're facing very different issues to the guys and that 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 needs to be addressed. Um, so I said yeah cool no problem I'll come and chat to these girls they didn't want to chat to me <laughs>
0: really?
1: yeah but like I think that's it isn't it like who, who is anybody to walk into someone else's yeah. community and say like you should talk to me isn't how it? did you then how did you then overcome that so I said to one of the girls one day um, I tell you what let me paint your nails and I had enough nail varnish in my bag and it was incredible because in that 10 minutes we had this opportunity to have a conversation I mean to be fair like there's almost like no escape when she's like yeah. hands I've the got table. the varnish <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that was definitely the case, um, but it worked. and I think there's like a number of reasons that, like looking back now, I can understand it more. But there's that element of touch. I think like you know I relate it to like going to a hairdresser. People have relationships with hairdressers for years. You know You're
0: breaking down a barrier, aren't you, by sort of engaging with each other on that level, like physically, really.
1: One hundred percent. It was just amazing what happened in 10 minutes, because I actually left feeling, oh my god, actually, I think this girl, like, gets me, or at least <laughs> she's given me a, a chance. She's to talked back party. to me, I've got a friend. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that we just started turning up really regularly, um, in fact, every week with a bag of nail polishes, and a couple of girls turned to about 20. And it, through conversation, it was one of them who said, oh, we should turn this into a nail bar. And so, you know, when, when someone makes a statement like that, I go, okay, great if you want to do that we'll support you and making it happen so that was that was three years ago now and um through that one project we supported over 174 local females
0: amazing wow literally from that just
1: chance thing of thinking you know why don't we paint our nails it's amazing that it can come from that (laughs) it is and you know what like looking back and talking about it, it is amazing and I think the reason why it turned to that is because so much of this is just about having conversations
0: Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't it's agree with you more. It's just about
1: listening and chatting. And that's what's made it what it is. Again, like, you know, if you'd asked me to put this project on paper and tell you what the outcomes were going to be at the start, it would never look like this. So it's just about giving, having the space to have conversations, and you get somewhere.
0: But it's unusual to be able to be in a position to do that, I guess. The way that you're structured. Talk to us a bit more about Art Against Knives. There's so much I want to talk to you about, Katie. I'm like, (laughs) where do we start? Actually, no, let's go back to you. Tell us a bit more about your background. How did you end up getting involved with this and setting it up?
1: I was um, studying at Central St Martins. I came here when I was uh, 18 to do my art foundation, moved to London, where I met one of my very best friends, Oliver Hemsley, and I then got into to do Textile's BA at St. Martin's. So I carried, I carried straight on. And in summer 2008, my friend Oliver was actually attacked and, and stabbed by six young guys in East London, completely unprovoked, completely randomly. And he was left paralysed. Oh, yeah. So um, I suppose our kind of bubble of being a student in London and uh, living in East London. We were both living in Shoreditch at the time and that being a bit of a playground and, you know, kind of work hard, play hard being the the motto, um, kind of disappeared very quickly for Oliver, for myself, for anyone else involved and any of our friends and wider networks
0: spreads really wide something like that as well doesn't it massively yeah
1: massively so um Oliver in hospi- was in hospital actually for for over a year and Yikes. um so about 9 months in Oliver's brother said to me I said oh listen would you be interested in running like a little event or something to raise money for Oliver's care because he was going to be left in a wheelchair with full-time support needed and I said yeah I remember saying yes but actually if I do this I really want Oliver to be involved and I think that was um it was there was loads of complications at the time but one of them being that obviously you know, Oliver had been paralysed and there was this real kind of like, how, how do we, he should be part of this, not that it shouldn't just be us. Anyway, a very long story cut short, so we decided to do an art exhibition called Art Against Knives and invite all of our friends to get involved and donate artwork. And then sell the artwork to, to raise money for okay. Right, so that was yeah. the model. I mean, it's quite basic, but it felt like, actually, it was more about just raising money for Oliver. It was actually a way of, of kind of getting this wider network and our peers to do something to show support yeah. and feel like they were actually doing something. Because yeah, everyone felt very helpless.
0: That's the thing. And actually, it brings everyone together to be able to do something positive. It's really yeah. cool. So,
1: so it, was, it was twofold, right? It was yeah. about ch- channeling the positive from this incredibly negative situation. So um, that happened. And then, <laughs> so it was like four of us organizing this event age 20 we were just 21 and um all of a sudden um Anthony Gormley, Tracy Emin and Banksy were all donating artwork. Oh my
0: gosh. So how did that happen? Just heard about the sort of yeah. situation.
1: I think obviously if you, if, if you look at uh, any community like the, uh, the creative community in East London being one of them a lot of these people were residents or had connections with this and Part of and, your
0: tribe, almost, yeah. Right,
1: and, and and it just ripples, and they want. They also felt the need to, to do something to support. So we, it wasn't, it wasn't an ask. It was, it was, it was an approach.
0: Amazing. That must have been like, this is really quite exciting. It
1: was. Do you know what? It was so exciting, and it was exactly I think what was needed for everybody to have this focus. And you know what? I think this is this is why so many organisations and so many movements and so many things happen because it's about people trying to channel that energy into action and I think like this wasn't any different and it's so
0: powerful that isn't it because you can't generate that it's not something you can kind of manufacture that is just pure pure yeah energy for something is so powerful we have such the ability it's so as humans it is so exciting when it can be focused in the right way
1: 100% so this event happened, it was brilliant, we raised money for Oliver, and it was incredible. But I think afterwards, um, there was so many people were saying, you know, so, so what next? Like, you've got people talking. And most importantly, I think we had communities talking about an issue who they'd actually felt quite detached from, and, and ourselves included. You know, knife crime was an incredibly tabloid-driven subject in 2008. You know, I remember there being this countdown of, of young people being murdered on the front pages, and mm. just feeling like, you know, obviously you, fe- you feel something about that. Yeah. But it feels you feel disconnected, so disconnected. like yeah. so it was about channeling that. We there was a large article in that Independent did about art against knives just after the event and I think both Oliver and myself felt actually do you know what? Like this is we have got an audience talking and supporting. We've got
0: something here. How
1: do we channel that yeah. into doing something? And the second part of that was the fact that, you know, a sixteen year old had was sentenced for ten years for attacking Oliver. And we felt like that the media at the time had kind of portrayed the whole thing as a bit of a success story. You know, Oliver had survived an attack and a 16-year-old was sentenced. Like, what part of that is successful? Yeah. Um, but actually, if we're looking at an issue, it isn't just about increasing stop and search... This is about looking at like at the, the root causes. Like how do you prevent a young person from ever ending up going to prison full stop? Yeah. You Why
0: know? are you not going right back to the beginning? We're sort of too late with where we're looking. Totally. Yeah. And
1: it just felt like the whole approach was was very much about putting it's you know, excuse the pump, putting a bit of a plaster on a wound it. and yeah. so and I think at the time that was the conversation. I think it wasn't just us thinking that way. I think the whole the, uh, the approach to an issue like violent crime and communities was was taking that turn. Um, And the word used is early intervention and prevention. So how do you you intervene early to prevent an issue from from escalating? So that was that. (laughs) So um, we were actually approached by the local community who said they'd recognised the fact that Arctic Insights has been talked about as this positive thing. They wanted to continue the positive momentum. It's a pretty
0: thing to be proud of that, to turn something so difficult into something...
1: Yeah, I mean in hindsight it, it is. I think at the time everything was still so raw and so yeah. real and um, painful. Yeah, and hard and like and and you know it it still very much is in, in so many ways. So you don't really think about it. Like you just it just felt like it needed to be done. You just <laughs> carry on. Just, yeah. It's like I've just
0: got to keep going. So yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, I took a year out of university and um, decided to spend the year like, working with the community because I think a large question was if we could do something, like what could we do? Also, what right, again, do we have to be walking into communities saying, oh, by the way, this is the answer, we now know, because it wasn't that. Um, and so, so much came out of, again, listening for that year, like listening to people, you know, observations like a big, shiny, top-down youth centre was empty on a Saturday morning and yet there's a guy on around the corner on his lonesome with 40-year-old kids and a football. And so you've got to start questioning, you know, why are these young people not engaging? Because that centre was built without any community consultation. No one stopped to ask those young people if they wanted it, so why should they feel part of it? So I think that those key learnings that like, is basically like what built the values for Art Against Knives today. Yeah, it's like mark the market research
0: of it like by actually being in and around everything.
1: Absolutely. And and like I was saying before, we just forget we need to have conversations. And like so much of this consultation is just tick box exercise now. You know, we'll go around, we'll ask a few young people, or that must be what's needed. It's so much more than that. And, and how important it is to invest the time in that? It's, it's been uh, the largest lesson learned.
0: Totally, and people actually listening. It's scary how little listening that we do now. But Katie, I can't help but ask, you know, financially how you make something like that work, yeah. because in an ideal world, I would love it. If I was ever, like, a prime minister or queen of a country, I'd be like, time, yeah. that is what we need. Yeah. But unfortunately, in where we're living and how we live... It costs. Yeah. So, how did you personally make that work financially in in those early years, or even now? You know, especially building something charitable. Yeah. I think it's a question a lot of people think.
1: Totally. So it definitely helped. Obviously, when the first exhibition happened, it definitely helped the fact that I was still at university. So I'm still I'm still on my student loan. I'm still not li- used to living off whatever we had then. Um, I had a part time job in the shop in Spitalfields as well, which I continued to do three days a week throughout the whole time. And um, when I took that year out of university, that decision for me was twofold. One, to explore where art Kids Insights nice could go, but also, secondly, to actually give myself some space based on some stuff that had happened. So I continued to work throughout the whole thing. So everything that was done was, was done in my own time off my own back. I mean, you don't really... Obviously, time's money, but you don't need money to go out and have conversations. So it was also about kind of like using existing resource, getting people to donate space, et cetera. That stuff was actually just talking to people was, was kind of being creative with what you've got yeah. and to talk um, but then things definitely started getting real and I met a number of young people along the way and one particular girl Kayla who had ideas for creative projects for young people she was a local young girl and had these amazing ideas for projects and I said listen I want, I want to work with you and support you in making that happen so we did a funding application and took it to the Prince's Trust and we got three thousand pounds, which amazing. kickstarted the first ever creave. Love the Prince's Trust. It was amazing. Obviously, that's a real example of how that's really reached grassroots level, and how how what you can do with three thousand pounds. Oh my gosh! <laughs> really? Um, and then obviously, like I said before, it was about mobilising support. We were all volunteers. Like this, never became a paid thing for me for a number of years, but channeling everybody else's interest into action was a massive part of that but also such a crucial part like you can't build something on your own like this wasn't just about my ideas it was about mobilizing the community's ideas like so I think that's what helped generate all of that support definitely that network I guess built
0: around what you're doing and pulling in all the different people that are involved the practicality of that again it's face-to-face contact it's like hi I'm a human you're a human too let's kind of Oh, it makes me really excited. Yeah,
1: and and also let's just cut everything else Mm. out of this (laughs) just for a second. You know, so the first project we ever did was this um, with this graffiti workshop in a car park in Dalston, and um, my friend John, who I'd met at uni through all of this, had got into Central Saint Martins to do art after coming out of prison, and he was a graffiti artist. And Kayla's uncle came down with his sound system and his crew, and that was (laughs) art.
0: Amazing! Yeah, ready to go. Great.
1: But actually, we had loads of young people come through that day, and I remember at the time a lot of other professionals around me saying, "You know, how, how did you engage with that many young people?" Simple, well, I didn't. Those young people Engage with it each was, other. Engaged with each other. It was their event. It was in their hands. And so that that was the formula that we took forward.
0: And so bringing that up to where you're at now, you are now a registered charity, you know, and paid to do this. Talk for just do that last bit of the timeline for uh, us. We
1: are about to celebrate in March our fifth year as a registered charity. Yeah, it's incredible. For definitely the first couple of years of that, it was still very much a volunteer thing for me. I was working, I went back to university to, to complete my degree at the same time as, God, as wow. doing all of this. Yeah, that well was, done. That is not a recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little um, too much on the old plate. Yeah, 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 definitely. But I think at the time, like again, like I said, you, you couldn't have put what skin size is on paper then. So you have to, you know, you can't kind of go, I'm just going to do this. Like you've got to keep your options open at an early start. Um, and also let it grow and see how it is
0: going to develop
1: massively 100% I think the really important thing to say as well is I did not definitely did not do this on my own like I felt so it's just insane how many people have got involved from the early days like as i was leaving university a lot of my friends were also leaving university and you know when you're at the stage and you're like oh what am i going to do with my life so many of them chose to come and and donate their time to support art against lives and getting off the ground that still happens today i have an incredible board of trustees who wanted their time who actually believed in this from a very early stage and i look back and i'm like why did they give me that time but they did and most importantly, it, I think it was about handling the ideas of, of these young people and, li- and me listening to them, yeah. <laughs> people listening to me. And there was this kind of like... Line, chain L- yeah. of listens.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um Sorry, I interrupted you. So yeah, let's go back to where you're at now. So you're now, you've got a board of trustees.
1: Yeah, so there's, there's, there's two of us full time and I have... Finance officer one day a week. I have a fundraiser one day a week, and I have oh we have a program manager two days a week. And then there's 12 freelance staff. Wow. So we employ um local what we call local role models. So people from the communities in which we work who have uh, I suppose. Uh, they have either been victims or perpetrators of violent crimes themselves they've, li- they've lived that life and, and really made a choice to change so um it for us it's about ensuring that we've got that community connection that we're, we're supporting investing in the community but also it's it's about supporting them and giving them the infrastructure they need to be employed and learn on a job
0: <laughs> yeah it's like again it's a double win isn't it
1: yeah 100 percent, and that's the recipe to, to success i think for us in terms of ensuring that we are investing in those communities um, so the charity turned quite a massive corner last year in terms of things feeling like we are like running like a, a business. We're running like an organisation that's solid. I mean, the most important thing for any charity is obviously governance, ensuring that that's run safely, securely. And then I think for us, this is totally about ensuring that we're doing... 100% quality work. Like, I'd much rather work with a smaller amount of people and know that we're really making a large difference than saying we're reaching thousands of young people and looking at them at scale. It's just not about that. Your impact. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, we made quite a strategic decision to take 100% of our work out of Hackney and Tower Hamlets into Barnets right. three years ago. Because I believe that we have learned so many lessons over the years about how to go in and change communities. And that we need to be intervening early to make the change to prevent another borough from becoming another Hackney or Southwark. And we have some quite serious issues in outer city London boroughs and they're completely and utterly neglected. There is, they're the
0: places where there could be the chance. Yeah. yeah, there's
1: no funding there, so it's much harder to survive as an organisation. Um, How do you deal with that <laughs> struggle? Uh, so, um, I suppose um, a large part of that is, is is you've got to do it ourselves. You know, if it's not there, you've got to make it happen yourselves. So we've continued this model so as a charity you're legally not allowed to trade so we set up a trading arm so a trading subsidiary that allowed us to continue to ask people to donate artwork to us and to sell it and to raise money that would go straight back into the charity so so much of this has been diy we've held our own events we've done all of our own things and i think trying to challenge this existing model of oh you've got to be reliant on grants and people giving to you And actually how can you create that yourself and how can you do more than just ask people to give but mobilize people to support um so the energy and the effort that's been put into that is definitely why we're still here today
0: god so inspiring
1: i think it's allowed us to pilot our work and then once you've piloted your work you've got something to talk about
0: the momentum of it
1: right which has then led us to be able to go to funders and say listen we've done this ourselves this is the outcome we now want this to get to ensure that we could go on to do this
0: another level
1: right so that's what we've just got some funding from children in need from comic relief wow and from some you know some smaller and, and less well-known grants but i generally believe people who believe that what we're doing is work and, and trust us to have a model that's solid enough but flexible enough to still be able to listen to every young person but you can prove that like
0: you say by what you've done right Casey I can't help but wonder though from your point of view or for your team have you had to retrain because you're dealing with some pretty full-on stuff and obviously yeah. you have your personal experience yeah. from it are there any things that you've found have been helpful or that you've done to sort of help you in this space that you found yourself in really
1: yeah definitely I've, I feel like the best way to describe my role is, is kind of like being like front of house being the chef, washing the dishes being the customer, you're everything and you, you're learning everything as well um, so there's one side of that which is kind of like the business side of it, like running a business, like learning the accounts. I got a B in my GCSE maths. <laughs> I actually said to my finance guy yesterday, we "We're doing this something really complicated." And I said, "I listen. I need to get an upgrade to an A. This is A grade GCSE level." Um, so, um, so there's a lot of that. Listen, it's about like I said before. I definitely didn't do this on my own. You just got to ask, ask people around you to help. So much of this is about learning on the job. I think so much of what you're doing when you're running a business is, is learning anyway. You don't get taught all of this in a classroom or in a textbook. But just be ask questions, make sure you've got people around you that are there to support you. Particularly when it's serious things like finance, you know, you've got to know that you're operating smoothly and safely. Um, and then there's a whole another tier of this to me, which is obviously like the skills needed to work with young people who face very significant risks. Has been a massive challenge. It's been interesting because I think personally, like being able to relate in a small way through my experience of my friend being attacked has helped me. But I think just being open and remembering that it's about creating the space to engage and talk to young people, you suddenly realise that there isn't a barrier. That actually we're all the same, and that challenges in my life they might not be the same. But you know, you've got to have ability to relate. And then, you know, over the last seven years, I've done some very serious training. I would mean, continue to do so. I don't think you ever stop learning. And that goes for all of my staff, regardless yeah. of the level that you're at and your role. Everyone has that. You know, from serious safeguarding through to, you know, well, I've just done some very specialist training around domestic violence because it's such a major issue for us.
0: God, just it's just like eye-opening day after day after day. It feels like, do you feel like you're ever going to stop learning or seeing new things it just seems like your journey if you think of the last few years of what you've learned and seen it's just well, it sounds mind-blowing. Yeah,
1: it is, it is completely incredible. Um, so another thing that I often... So daily challenge, and just to describe the, the kind of diversity of, of the role, is, is what do you wear from a kind of like boardroom for a corporate supporter through to like going to back to work on the nail bar on Donis Valley? It's like, how does that work? So trainers are my answer. Keep a pair of trainers on, right? They're I kind of cool it. enough to get away with wearing them in a boardroom. You've got to choose so. wisely
0: with your trainers, though, oh, doll. That's, that's... That was a minefield
1: right there. It is also an amazing engagement tool. <laughs> Wear the right crepes and you are in there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's amazing. Sweetheart, tell me challenges. I mean we've kind of covered, you know, a lot of them within there, but are there any that you found particularly particularly taxing setting up art against knives?
1: Um <laughs> where to start? I mean so so much. I definitely felt at the start that I could do everything or I could take everything on and I definitely can't I think being able to just put your hands up and say do you know I think I've reached a point here where actually I need I can't go much further so I'm going to need someone to come and help me is sometimes a challenge when you feel like you're asking so much of people all the time Um, also when it's your idea you know and you're asking people to get involved like or when you feel like it's coming from you that it's really challenging But to always just stop and go, do you know what, like, I do need some help with this. Um, Also, because actually, you don't need to reinvent the wheel all the time. There's so much out there. Like, we should be listening and sharing ideas with others and not trying to do our own thing.
0: Teaming up and stuff, yeah.
1: Working together and partnership work. So a very large part of what we're doing is constantly stopping and going, right, we're not here to start something new. When does what we're doing stop? And when do we have to work with someone else to do that bit? Like, it's it's just not about going solo. And again, it's that network. It's building up your network of people that you know that you can pass people
0: through onto right.
1: recommend. I guess right. again, that's time. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. And I think the other really large challenge for me is is getting the balance between where you should be focusing your time. So the first couple of years was definitely about I suppose a bit like building the momentum part against the voice, the profile, the energy. And do you know what I because I, I cause we were doing projects and working with young people, I just thought, you know I feel like people are, don't understand the impact that we're making. Like I feel like actually like we just need to stop a minute. And I completely changed my energy and my focus. So the last three years, like I've behind the scenes we've just been on the ground like really strengthening, strengthening our work and ensuring that what we're doing is, is, is the best it can be for these young people. And that's a challenge because then I feel the other side of things have gone. But I think then you slowly get there, then you slowly build things up. I was up going to say, because
0: you're basically building a really strong foundation for the work that you can then move sort of, dare I say it, more front of house and then spread around, right. you know, you're building the basis of it. I mean, it makes sense, but it must be frustrating, yeah.
1: Yeah, because you, you feel like you want... The, <laughs> to do you everything. You want to do everything, and you want, you want that time. I mean, I think I definitely still have this bizarre, warped sense of time where I just think, oh, yeah, it's fine, we can do that. Oh, it's fine. But I think, actually, in a way, like that is an advantage. To be able to think that you can do things is so important. Um, To say yes to things is so important. But know when that's not going to be of a benefit to what you're doing. So... Gosh, I wish I was listening to myself five mean, ago.
0: Good... <laughs> Darling, I think we can all be very grateful that we are. It is so great. But that's the easy thing, isn't it? It's yeah. so easy to give the advice. It's just very hard to actually put it. We're all the same, hence the podcast. Um, we've Again, we've covered it a bit, but if, you, if someone was listening to this and they were thinking of setting up something similar or something charitable maybe yep. even or something arts-related, what bit of advice do you wish you'd been given apart from listening to your podcast back?
1: I'm just... <laughs> Just have the confidence to do it but don't forget to stop and listen to people and understand what people want even if you think you know there's always something to be learned from asking a question and I don't think we should ever stop doing that I never stop questioning things or never stop asking people and just be flexible enough to know that your idea now is, is going to look different in five years' time. But kind of like, I don't know, like celebrate that and go with the flow rather than just think, you know, you know, it's gone off, but it's not going where I I need it to go. I think that's the most important thing. Be open-minded.
0: Oh, thank you so much to Katie for chatting to us about that incredible organisation. It's quite the story, isn't it? I found it so inspiring. The day that I chatted to Katie, I left that interview And just felt like I could take on the world. Stories like that just show you that from something so, so horrendous, there can be so much positive outcome if you make the decision to do something about it. So hats off to Katie and Oliver. And thank you so much for being part of our PassionPod crew. Just a joy to have you with us. Next week, something totally different. Chatting to the founder of a subscription service all the rage nowadays flowers food the works this one's for kids Um, and we're going to be chatting more about that next week on Monday make sure you signed up to us on iTunes and you don't have to go through any of the faff. It'll just land in your podcast app. Um, Also, if you missed it, we sent out a newsletter last week. If you're not signed up to our newsletter, send them out once a month so we don't pollute your inbox too much. Head to our website, passionpods.co.uk, and you just sign yourself up on there. Super easy. And then you're in our loop for all our latest goings on and whatnot. Find us on Twitter as well. Always love hearing from you. We're at PassionPods. Any feedback you have on the podcast, Or maybe you're sitting listening to this and doing your own adventure. Would just love to hear from you. So please come and find us. Hope you feel good and tanked up now with a good dose of inspiration and encouragement-y type goodness. Uh, And we'll be back with more of that next week.